0: Cowboys, for a subject to this team, are terrible. They're boring. I don't care. This is a reality show. Where is my insane character that you love to hate like Antonio Brown? Will he be there? Won't he be there the next day? Where is my lovable old coach with the gut jiggle when he yells, Hut, like Bob Wiley and, you know, the Cleveland Browns here? <laughs> Fucking Mike McCarthy is the most, like, Milk toast, uninspiring coach I've ever seen. I know they cut these things together, and I, but I mean, if his halftime speech is literally, and I'm paraphrasing, go back out there and do football stuff, well, fuck me. Like, I, I I don't know what else <laughs> to say.
1: Who you betting on? Always on black bats, bats in the pocket hole, squad, fast tags. Send a bookie, tell him, bring it from the bag. No be coming for the bag. Rest,
2: coast, the coast.
1: West West Go to the G. West Coast games.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, we are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And boys, I am excited. You can hear it in my voice. Because not only is it NFL season, as we debuted last week, but this is fantasy season. NFL fantasy football. It is time to set those tiers. It is time to make your mock drafts. It is time to get into it. PPR, half PPR, snake drafts, auction drafts. We got it all for you today and I'm excited because I live for fantasy football. It's probably a little sad that I am an early 30s man that divulges this much time in his weekly day to fantasy football, but I do. I love it that much. Dangles, I know you do too. Fantasy football all day today. Big interview, but you love fantasy as much as I do. Absolutely.
0: I play every single year. I'm excited to play again this year. Sometimes I've taken it kind of to the extreme. I think the maximum I've done is five or six leagues one Chaos. year, which is just too much. It's just too Chaos. much trying to keep it across like three platforms. Uh, I'm ah. trying to I'm trying to kind of consolidate a little bit this year and keep it to like one work league. You know, the 16 team league that we do, the and Invitational, which is always fun and, and and pushes your fantasy football drafting, waiver wire, uh, and just general um, statecraft it tests your skills. It It's fantasy. It's fantasy statecraft is what it is. It's it really does test your metal, and it's a season long slog. And, and and especially with the the still bullshit week. Eighteen week, whatever final week championship where every single thing of, of the season comes down to a bunch of fucking backups. It's just oh, it's brutal best. every single the year. He best. loves it. You're Despite many attempts to overthrow it, we've been unsuccessful somehow. Before, Isn't it that bogus? He shaking You're shaking your head over I, there, Shane for the sharp. Isn't can I? Can I stop you bashing That's it at first? Bogus. I have a
3: question off based on what you said before you go, Drew. I have a question to you, Dangles. Based on what you said, when you have multiple teams over multiple apps, real quickly. A little preview of a show we have coming, a litany of shows we have coming later on in this month. Quickly, marry, fuck, kill. The ESPN app, the Yahoo app, and the NFL app when it comes to fantasy football, Dangles.
0: Uh, The NFL app is my kill. Absolutely. We used that for a number of years uh, on your Cavallo Invitational, and it was just... I'm sorry. It was not very well engineered. Um, I I, I will marry the... I think I marry the Yahoo app. The Yahoo app, okay. I think, is my favorite. Uh, and I'll, I would take I would take the ESPN ho, uh, e- app out for a, a lovely dinner, and then, and then depending on how things go, we see where the night goes. Yes, again,
3: sorry, Mrs. Crookston, for the language. You sorry, are going to hate Crookston, the rest the of language. August. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. <laughs> Crookston, Drew Schaefer, I have a question for you, because for years yes, I sir. have invited you into this 16-team Cavallo Invitational, and for years you have declined my invitation because you have one and only one fantasy football league that you pay Pay major attention to what are your thoughts on fantasy football and the crazes it takes over the nation?
2: Well, boys, you know I, I must admit I I'm a gambler at heart. I like to bet sides and totals, as you know. So I would have that kind of that dickhead that dickhead phrase. Oh, I don't play fantasy football. Because I've had sex before, which is proof because I just had a child. Congrats on the sex. Thank you. Sorry, mom. Anyway. Congrats
0: on the sex, I've changed Shape my- of the Sharp. Congrats <laughs> on the sex. I- I-
2: <laughs> I've changed my tune recently though, boys, because he- th- this was my big thing. I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around spending twenty dollars to spend three or four hours on a draft to get paid, you know, 60 bucks at in the end. I couldn't do it. So what I did, I found a sweet spot. I found a Kind of a you know a high buy-in quote unquote based on your economic situation, but for me it's a pretty high buy-in, and i and I play with a group of guys. Let's just say they're not sharps, if you will. So I I commit to one league. I I commit to one high buy-in and I go after that one league. However, Mr. Cavallo, I have declined your invitation for the 16 team uh, league year after year because of the simple fact. That week 17 matters, and Dangles, if I were you, I would spike my head into a brick wall if my team couldn't, like, if, if, it it happens, it happens every
3: year. It happens every year when you actually... I gotta stop you there. Enough bashing my week 18, end of the week championship, because it, it, it really, it used to be week 17, it's week, week 18, 18 now, but it really tests your mettle when it comes to the fantasy football. And we will ask our guest coming up, Chris Dell, about this situation because I need a second opinion. Everyone in the world calls me an idiot. I don't care. I will make my case with our guest later on. But before we get there, before we get there, I do want to talk about something. We did this last week, and I really enjoyed it. Hard Knocks Episode 2 aired for the Dallas Cowboys. Very quickly, let's give something we liked and something we didn't like about the second hour with Dallas, with Mojo, Mike McCarthy, with Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, all the stars, Jerry Jones included. Let's go uh, around the horn and say what we liked about this episode. Dangles, what stuck out to you that you liked?
0: I mean, I guess, you know, there was some—we finally get to hear a couple of— I guess semi-interesting stories. The the coach from England is interesting. The you know guy who played in the NFL, NFL Europe, and and came over here. The defensive line coach, and then the the kid from the Ivory Coast, uh, Azor Camara, who's trying to make it. I thought it was nice to finally get some some. I guess a, a little more than just surface level look into some of the interesting stories that were on the team. Um, I I don't know, guys. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it when we come back around to what we didn't like. Uh-oh. But I was I, I felt like I was scraping the barrel for. Things that I liked about in this second hour with Dallas in this second
3: episode. Siskel Ebert and Dangelo Antonio didn't like it. Drope?
2: Very simple. I love that Ezekiel Elliott ad- admitted to having a dry gooch and putting baby powder during practice because there is nothing like chafing in this world as a grown man, especially with large testicles like myself. That is a very very uncomfortable feeling. So I actually had respect for Zeke there, that he actually admitted to having a little chafage issues. The gooch, the baby powder, it resonated with me, guys. And what can even I say? It was a childish you know, fart joke,
0: I, I, and it made me giggle. So I I enjoyed that. Exactly, exactly.
2: So 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 that that's what I liked. You know, it resonated with me, Tony. What about you, sir?
3: Well, uh, what I liked the most about it, and I did like the uh, Ezekiel Elliott. We're all, I mean, again, like Jerry Jones last week with the breakfast sandwich, trying to get off the phone so we could enjoy it. We all put our pants on one leg at a time, and Zeke. Elliott too, he chafes. We all chafe, but the thing I like the most because HBO, if they do anything right, it's the montages and the quick cuts and the little like zoom in, zoom out, all these plays that happen and the quick cut montage of probably my favorite guy to draft in fantasy leagues this year, Mr. C.D. Lamb and all the catches he was making at practice. If that didn't give you a hard on for football, you don't like football. That was Spec. Spectacular. Cannot wait to see C.D. Lamb's future. Michael Irvin talking about him. Him, C.D. Lamb, knowing what the wearing the 88 for Dallas means. Everything about C.D. Lamb made me so happy. Plus, that was a dope-ass shoe suitcase that he had. I need to get me one of those because he has a better shoe game than I do. But eventually, I want to get there, and that shoe suitcase is a must-have for the future of Tony Cavallo, as C.D. Lamb put it out there on HBO. Dangles. Call it a shootcase A shootcase Dangles. What didn't you like about the second episode of Hard Knocks? Oh
0: man, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's only because we're two episodes in, but I kind of find myself like drifting off and losing focus during during the show this year. And and I thought about it today as I was watching this episode, and then it occurred to me: the Cowboys, for a subject of this team, are terrible. They're boring. (laughs) I don't care. This is a reality show. Where is my insane character that you love to hate, like Antonio Brown? Will he be there? Won't he be there the next day? Where is my lovable old coach with the gut jiggle when he yells "hut" like Bob <laughs> Wiley and you know the Cleveland Browns here? <laughs> Fucking Mike McCarthy is the most like milk toast, uninspiring coach I've ever seen. I know they cut these things together, and I, but I mean, if his halftime speech is literally—and I'm paraphrasing—go back out there and do football stuff. Well, fuck me. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Cowboys were just a poor choice, I think, for a team by HBO. And maybe their options were limited. I don't know all the circumstances behind it. But damn, I don't know. I just, when I look back at some of the more recent hard knocks, this one just pales in comparison.
3: Drew, what didn't you So like? far.
0: So far. I'm happy to be wrong. Three episodes down the line. Surprise me, HBO.
2: Boys, pull up a chair. I'm going to tell you a quick story. <clears throat> 2014, a proud Michigan fan, Shaver the Sharp, Drew Shaver Crooks, and living in Los Angeles. We were anointed because Brady Hoke was the head coach of Michigan football, and he was very clear he couldn't fucking coach a lick of offense, had no idea. He didn't wear a headset, it was embarrassing. We got this guy named Douglas Keith Nussmeyer from none other than the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. We were so excited to get this guy a passing game coordinator, an offensive coordinator, and he decided he wanted to make Denard Robinson a a, a pocket passer in 2014. Well, comes to my shock, my jaw dropped, that Douglas Keith Nussmeyer is the quarterback's coach for the Dallas fucking Cowboys. Are you kidding me? Oh, yes. I looked at this guy's bio... This is his 10th stop since 2001 as a head coach. And all I'll say, I know Kellen Moore is the OC. I know Jerry Jones and McCarthy kind of call the shots. But if Doug Nussmeyer is your quarterback's coach at the NFL level, you have a serious problem, Dallas. Sorry. Did not like that at all. I could not believe it. That guy was
3: terrible. The Shoelace, a pocket passer? He tried to make shoelace a pocket passer. Leave it to Drew to take a Hard Knocks episode about the Dallas Cowboys and turn it into a Michigan story. But the thing I didn't like about Hard Knocks episode two was very nearly the way they opened it with the pregnant lady teaching yoga and you got gooch shots of these offensive linemen as their legs are up in the air. I'm seeing everything <laughs> they have to offer the world. Didn't the like that, belly, HBO. Belly
0: hair, crotch shots. It was, but It was. yeah, it was t- at times disturbing.
3: The thing, the thing I did not like the most has to do with our QB rankings, which you can go back and listen to from last year. We had 60 QBs play that we ranked, and the 60th QB was a guy who does not play quarterback, Mr. Kendall Hinton. The first worst quarterback on the list, number 59 himself, was the man I hated the most from this episode of Hard Knocks, and that is Ben DiNucci. They did a little segment on Ben DiNucci, tried to make him a lovable character, and then they showed him playing chess with Micah Parsons. I
0: knew it was going to be the chess match. <laughs> I knew when I watched it because you sent a message to the text thread He's saying Ben is a dickhead. And I a was dickhead. like, And I, I watched it. I watched it after it aired live. I wasn't able to watch it live. And I, I was looking for the scene where you decided he was a dickhead and I knew it was when he was playing chess with Micah Parsons.
3: He goaded the man. It's like he was playing with a toddler and making fun of him the whole entire time. And then he Listen. bragged, about it, he bragged the BO, about it in the VO in the, the background. Time. He's trying to take a sides to the camera like, oh, did you see what I did there, I really got him on that one, didn't you? He's making sides about the the left side of Michigan versus the right side. He's a he's a fucking asshole. Okay, Ben Dinucci, I have no love for you whatsoever. And when you Pennsylvania get cut, Tony,
2: when you Pennsylvania, when you
3: get cut in episode five, I will not shed a single tear. Goodbye, Ben Dinucci. You suck, Bob Nesmeyer Whatever the guy's name is, is going to cut your ass, and you deserve it. That's the end of our Hard Knocks takes. I can't wait for the future of these West Coast Gamblers episodes. We're going to be doing marry, fuck, kills for every single division coming up in the end of August. But right now for today, we are diving into fantasy football, breaking down who you should draft, who you shouldn't draft. And maybe, just maybe, giving you a little bit of player props future where you can make some money in the NFL betting on stuff today. Season long fantasy future hopefuls prognostications coming up next. West west west, west 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 Coast Gamblers.
1: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go.
3: Our next guest can be found on Twitter under Mad Journalist with two D's, and he is a co founder of the Betting Predators. He worked for 15 plus years as a sports writer and editor for the New York Times and the New York Daily News, but now his focus is solely on fantasy football, where he grinds out weekly rankings, projections, and NFL player props. We have him here on the show today to talk about, to prognosticate on the year coming up in the NFL fantasy world, maybe even give us a little bit of ways to make you money this NFL season when it comes to NFL player futures. Very excited to have this man. And his geographic location allows me to say the following phrase, which after which anything is possible. So please welcome to the show,
4: a Florida man, Chris Dell, welcome to the show chris hey happy to be here guys appreciate the intro ready to talk some fantasy football and it's, it's christmas come early for me at this time of the year
3: absolutely absolutely before we go though the twitter handle is mad with two d's why the double d's is this something you like to enjoy on a lady like what's the deal
4: <laughs> i don't want to say like i'm mad like i'm angry at anything you know we all have those days in betting right or fantasy but uh it's supposed to be like a playoff, like mad scientist, like the mad journalist type of thing, and it was an old rap song I listened to way back in the day. But it's just too late to change it at this point. I'm stuck with it. Forever.
0: Don't you don't have to lie. Mad journalist with one D was taken by someone else, wasn't? Yeah, I
4: was kind of pissed off, but
3: I didn't. I didn't want to bring that up. So <laughs> that's okay. Back back when I had a AOL Instant Messenger, crazy fellow with a Y was taken, so I was crazy with an I. That's how I got you, but Chris. Okay. You are from Florida. Are you a Florida fan? I know you covered the New York teams when you were in New York. Did are you uh, when it comes to football? Who are you a fan of? Whose colors do you rep?
4: Wow, uh, who's uh, man? When it comes to the NFL, I'm actually a shameless uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan. So okay, yeah, you're All not going right. to catch me, you're All not going right. to catch me bragging about any any NFL stuff when it comes to my personal fandom. I got some family up north in Ohio that have had season long Bengals taken since I was a little kid. So that's how I got into football. Unfortunately. Uh, and then when I moved out back to Florida when I was younger, uh, um, you know, it was too late. I couldn't be the Tampa Bay Bucks bandwagon fan when they won their first Super Bowl back in 2000. And it's, it's just been all downhill for me since. So I, I'm a Bengals fan. I, I rep the Orlando Magic. And all my all my teams pretty much suck. So there's, there's nothing to talk about with that here.
3: Constantly drafting in the early numbers for your teams. But I do have to say, there's hope there for the Bengals now. Joey Burrow's a real deal. Do you have any hope when it comes to this upcoming season?
4: I've got a lot of hope, man. I I actually, this is the first time I've been optimistic about the Bengals since, uh, uh, you know, Andy Dalton was in his rookie years, but kind of really, before he really showed his true colors and, and they, they they kept him way longer than they should have. Let's, that'll be an hour long podcast on its own. Let's not get, (laughs) let's not get into that. But, uh, uh, Carson the, the Carson Palmer days before Carson Palmer tore his ACL people forget that he was like a borderline top three quarterback in the NFL yeah. next to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning so those were the days where I thought we legit had a shot to make a Super Bowl run but that that infamous night against Pittsburgh when, when the, the he completed like a 70-yard pass down the field to Chris Henry camera pans back and he's clutching his ACL man it's it's been all downhill since then so I love T Higgins. I love Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd's good. Joe Mixon's good. I think the offense is solid. Uh, Their defense got to get a little better. And let's see how coach Zach Taylor does, because I'm still a little suspect on Zach Taylor. But I do have hope now compared to how I've had over the last five to 10 years with this team. So, yeah, as
3: I can tell you, I mean, you see the Green Bay banner flying behind me. It is so much fun to have a quarterback that is good. It (laughs) is just so much fun. Uh, but I do want to say enjoy you it. Well, the- enjoy it while it lasts because nothing, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. Oh, <laughs> shut up, Dangles. All right. Dangles Chris, is the Patriots Chris, fan. Wait, Drew Tony is the Detroit Lions fan. Drew has no hope whatsoever. What do you got for us, Drew?
2: I was just going to say, Chris, can you breathe some life into me as a Lions fan? That was so optimistic and beautiful. You talked about the Bengals fan. Breathe some optimism into my lungs as a Lions fan. The Dan Campa era is here. We got Jared Goff, baby. Come on, just give me some just hint of optimism, just a hint of optimism.
4: I mean, it, it sounds like your head coach might be the first one to actually try to, like, literally eat another human being as a referee or something. <laughs> it's just like the comments he made in the preseason, man, like Dan Campbell. I I, I don't know about that guy, but, you know, we'll say I like DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, there you go. I'll give you that. I like DeAndre Swift. Uh, the offensive line is halfway decent. Other than that, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I would hope for a really high draft pick in this upcoming uh, summer. That's all I can say about the Lions. If I were you,
0: over or under eight games into the season before we see Dan Campbell being wheeled out of Ford Field on a, in a straight jacket? Just yeah, because for that exact for that exact reason.
4: <laughs> I would. I think I'm going to bet. I am going bet unders across the board for the Lions, no matter what the topic. <laughs> right there so that, that's you. I'll that's right. take under on that one too. Right there
3: with you. Well, speaking of unders. I did want to bring you in for fantasy stuff. And I do want to talk about buying and fading certain players because out there, there's a million fantasy football prognosticators. There's a million websites you can go to and get a mock draft going or average draft position and all that stuff. But then there are certain people that during training camp, during preseason or your own intuition on them, they go to shoot up or shoot down certain draft rankings. So for you, are there any players out there or even position groups out there that you like to buy or fade when it comes to drafting these fantasy football players?
4: That's, uh, that, that's a that's a really, you know, it's a good question. It's a tough question. I think you really kind of have to boil it down a little closer into, you know, what type of draft are you in first and foremost? Like what are your league settings? What is the starting lineup format? Yep. Uh, what's the scoring format? And then who are your league mates? I think that's a very important thing. Like I run a home league here that we're going into our 12th season overall. Like I know a lot of these guys personally. I know who their favorite teams are. I know who's going to reach for Tom Brady because they're a Buccaneers fan. I know who's going to go draft Michael Carter, the Jets rookie running back because they're a Jets fan. So if I'm high or low on one of those guys, I know maybe I need to reach around early. Maybe I can sit back and wait for more quarterbacks to come my way. So I think in the draft, it's all about trying to get an edge with your situation and trying to get value uh, you know, with that. So, you know, I'm high and low on a bunch of different guys when it comes to fantasy this year, I'm going to have my top 300 fantasy rankings live uh, this week on the betting predators website. Oh, yeah. uh, my, my co-founder sleepy and I uh, sleepy J, you can find them sleepy Jay on pregame. We did a mock draft episode last night. That'll be out this week. We went about two hours uh, diving deep into like a 16 round mock draft. So we talked about a lot of guys in there and we'll talk about a lot of the same guys tonight. But, um, you know, I, th- those are kind of the general things there is like, how can you get an edge on your opponents? A lot of people go into drafts with like a printed out cheat sheet from like CBS, NFL.com, ESPN.com. Uh, I think you need to go in with uh, with tiers of rankings. Yep. Like you got, you have a tier one, tier two, tier three, because you can't just be blindly drafting like, you know, A to Z, one to 300. When it comes to that, you got to know when to pick value how to structure your lineup in an advantageous way so I'm not trying to skirt the question you know by any means with that but that's my overall strategy and approach when it comes to the different drafts that I do. And that kind of helps me determine, hey, I got 50 guys I'm buying, yep. 50 guys dating. How do I go about picking those guys now for my specific for my specific team here? So that's kind of my initial thoughts on how I start that process. No,
3: I love that answer because it's a very much like if it, it, whether you've played fantasy before or you've never played at all, that answer answers everyone's questions and gives you a mode of attack when it comes to this. And when it comes to scoring settings as well, whether it's PPR or no PPR, default settings, things like all that stuff matters when it comes to these drafts and who you uh, put above others. So let's talk about instead let's get a little bit specific. Everyone is talking about the the first few picks, the running backs, you know the names. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, all those guys are up there. Is there anyone in that group of number one running backs that you are fading on? Or is there anyone just below that you should think we should buy higher and push them up into the top tier running backs? Like maybe if you have the fifth overall pick, who is that fifth running back you're taking?
4: Well, that's that's another good question. I think when it comes to me uh, not looking at positional tiers, but just overall tiers in my rankings, and let's talk about PPR. I think that's maybe tied with half PPR as the most popular scoring format these days, but I've got my tier one is Christian McCaffrey. He's on his standalone Island type of tier. I've got tier two, Dalvin cook. He's on his own Island in tier two. Then I've got tier three. That's got about seven different guys, Aaron okay. Jones, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry. And then I got my four receivers who I all grouped together Adams Diggs, and Hill, but I also have Calvin Ridley in that tier. And I could make a case for drafting With the number three overall pick in my draft, any of those seven guys that I just mentioned, and personally for me right now, uh, I'm taking Aaron Jones, number three overall, out of any position, any scoring format, Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have him, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, I've seen him even drop all the way to number 11 or 12 uh, in drafts, and even if I'm at 12 that's insane the value the for him
0: run. that's just insane value for him 11 if you could get him at 11 yeah. I'll take him at 11 every day of every week every draft every year see yeah. I,
3: I I did some research on you Chris Dell and I was going through your Twitter feed and I saw the four different mocks that you've done so far and two of mm-hmm. which you drafted Aaron Jones very early and that perked me up a little bit because not only am I a Green Bay Packer fan but in the league that I play Aaron Jones was my RB1 rode me to a championship year last year now I have the chance to keep him to keep him as my 16th overall pick Aaron Jones but I'm looking to send him away to try and keep someone else not use that first round pick for somewhere else convince me that Aaron Jones you have drafting third overall depending on the league like what makes Aaron
4: Jones do you think it's going to be a bigger year than last year I do and what the thing is is that Aaron Jones he's finished as a top five running back each of the last two seasons and that's like playing borderline maximum 55% of the snaps in that offense. And obviously, Jamal Williams has gone to Drew's the Detroit Lions over there. And while I don't expect Aaron Jones to necessarily go to like 65 70% of the snaps, what I do expect for him is to take all of the passing work that Jamal Williams was getting in that offense. And I think his PPR value reception and reception targets are going to skyrocket. And you add that to the fact that Aaron Rodgers threw nine touchdown passes at the one-yard line last year, an absolutely ridiculous number that is due for regression 100%. Yep. And if that's going to regress, guess what? The Packers have the number one most red zone efficient running back in the league on their roster, and that's not the bruising fullback slash running back A.J. Dillon. That's Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is going to get – positive touchdown regression near the goal line he's going to get a ton of vacated targets and reception work that jamal williams is leaving behind and you add that to a guy that's finished top five in each of the last two seasons i am borderline close to putting aaron jones as my number two overall player next Ooh. to dalvin cook right now and i had dalvin cook number two Ooh. last year when a lot of people d- didn't have dalvin cook number two overall at all positions so i i feel very strong about Aaron Jones. And I I do about six, seven uh, leagues every year. I'm hoping to get Aaron Jones at least two, three, maybe four uh, of him shares on my teams this season.
0: I wanted to ask you, Chris, about uh, a split backfields, two running back backfields. I feel like they can sometimes give fantasy owners pause, and there's a lot of them out there. You got the Browns, the Jaguars, the Bills, the Raiders, the Bucks, all with some you know formidable names on there. Where are you seeing some value? And I know people, a lot of people are hot on Travis Etienne, um, but I mean, I had I had Ronald Jones in a in a I think it was a twelve team league last year, and he got a lot of goal line touches, and he ended up with a lot of touchdowns. I mean, you're you're laughing. I don't know. Maybe you don't like Ronald Jones later on in the round, but he he did all right for me last year. How do you how do you approach two to split backfields and where do you see some value in, in in that
4: this year yeah I just I wouldn't touch any Buccaneers running back in fantasy this year um, <laughs> well the thing is is that they brought in my my Cincinnati Bengals boy Giovanni Bernard into that offense, and sure you know you, you can't take too much from preseason games what you can take away is like, like who plays in third down situations and what, what what I noticed in the last Bucs game is that giovanni bernard was the back that was in on every single third down snap for the starting offense so if if it's going to move from a two-way committee to a three-way committee and there's a two-way committee for just early down touches between the 20s between Fournette and ronald jones i want absolutely nothing unless you're in a stand i'm not Mm -hmm. talking standard is totally different where there's no points per reception but we're talking half ppr full point ppr i I don't want Mm -hmm. i don't want anything to do with either of those back and you saw the way that ronald jones tailed off in the playoffs last year and Fournette kind of sure. took over that yeah, offense.
0: Took I think over.
4: there's a big trust factor with the coaches there. And I think that I've seen Bruce Arians in the way that he had such He's a short lease with issues. Ronald Jones when it comes to fumbles. Uh, we don't want to get into season-long yeah. player prop bets, yeah. but I'm definitely betting at least one under with Ronald Jones for season-long player props this year. I think he could fall off the map in fantasy. And even on that even on that wow. roster altogether this season, assuming Leonard Fournette stays healthy. So, I think you can you can get by with a two back system and having one of those backs in fantasy. You just better make sure that one of those running backs has pass catching upside because if he doesn't, then you're banking on touchdowns, which is are, is a very high variance statistic to bank on. So that's my approach in terms of. Two backs. The most most the NFL, every team has a two back system. Derrick Henry is an exception to the rule, so I don't I don't mind yeah. two back yeah. systems as long as the guy in that two back system has pass catching upside.
3: I love that. And you said something here, and I want to head to our next question here. But you said you're not going to draft any Buccaneers running back. Is there any other player, whether it's standard or PPR, that's also on your do not draft list? For whatever reason,
4: I think that Saquon Barkley is a guy I just don't want to touch this year. He he's coming in. He's he's hurt right now. And has he had enough time to fully heal? You know, we're not doctors here. Like we don't know. It doesn't sound like the beat reporters know. I used to be a beat reporter covering the Giants when I lived in New York for a summer. So uh, you know, there's only so much information you can glean as a beat (laughs) reporter. You're sitting there on the sidelines at practice. You're not in the locker room when the real information is being spread around the coach are trying to work you around with quotes that go, you know, in circles that don't really have much meaning to them. So you can only take so much. You really want to see what's the usage of these guys on the field. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what decisions are these teams making in terms of who they're bringing, to, bringing in via free agency and things like that. So um Saquon Bark is a guy He doesn't seem healthy and he didn't show the ability to stay yeah. healthy each of the last two seasons. So I don't want to risk high end draft capital and spend a lot, in the first round to get Barkley. So I'm very wary of him. I'm probably not going to have any shares of him unless for some reason I'm picking in the second round and he's still there. Then I might then, then I might right. jump on him. But from what I've seen, he's going in like six, seven, eight type of range in the first round.
3: I feel you on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. I, I I drafted Saquon in one league his rookie year and it was another keeper league where you got to keep him over and over and over again. And it just, it hurts. It's like a little... he's like my son and now he's uh, you know there's so much (laughs) unknown with it it sucks I want him to come back and be the player he can be also that offense can we stay on the Giants for a second because we have a lot of Giants fans that listen to this podcast they did get Kenny Galladay as a de facto number one wide receiver they drafted Kadarius Tony as a rookie none of those guys apparently in camp are doing anything well and Daniel Jones entering his third year it's really a make or break year for the coach the quarterback and the GM is there anyone and there's don't even get me started on Evan Ingram. Is there anyone in the New York Giants yeah. offense that you could look at? Cause there's big names there yeah. and a big team. Anyone on that offense you're looking at to
4: grab, whether it's a late round sleeper or a PPR guy, you can get anyone at all. Uh, if I'm drafting in a deep league, when I say deep league, where, you know, standard benches are like six spots. I, I personally, I think if you want to be more strategic and depend more on skill wins out in fantasy, you want to expand the bench spots and ex- expand your roster sizes. Uh, I, you can eliminate kickers too. That's another good way to add roster and bench sizes. Ugh, so that that's please. another you know That's another conversation for another day. But when it comes to that, that, the reason I say that is because when it comes to the giants, I have to be in a very deep league with a very deep roster in order to grab guys. Like personally, I like Darius Slayton, the player. Uh, I just don't know if, if Daniel Jones can consistently support uh, w- even one viable fantasy wide receiver in that offense right now, from what we've seen, And now you're seeing increased competition for targets with Kenny Galladay there. You mentioned Kadarius Tony. You know, so I I think it's going to be spread around. It's going to be a little muddled. However, the one thing I will say is when we did the mock draft last night, Evan Ingram's a guy I wasn't targeting at all in any of my mocks, but I noticed he wasn't even drafted. And that was, that was very surprising to to me to see some of the tight ends that were drafted that went ahead of Evan Ingram. The guy's a talent that's undeniable athletically. And he's shown he can pr- produce with subpar quarterback play in the past. So if you can grab Evan Ingram in the last round of your fantasy draft, uh, you know, ceiling, it could be top five. So I, I-, I do believe there's a ceiling there.
0: Ugh, but I've seen the floor. Yeah. Oh God, I've seen the floor. <laughs> We've all seen the and floor. It's gr- it's, I have seen the floor. I have, I have owned the floor. I have mopped the floor with my face. It's dusty. It's gross. Uh, and it just, I don't like giants blue. I'm also a Patriots fan. So I just, I hate the giants and I stay away from them anyway, but like, but the tight end position is such a pain in the ass. I'm kind of the guy who looks at this and I go, I'm either, I'm getting one of the top three guys or I'm waiting till super late in the draft. And I'm just hoping that I bank on, you know, getting somebody like an Irv Smith who has a huge year or some, something like that. Or is there any, can, you know, is there anywhere in the middle of the draft that, you know, I should maybe be looking if I, if I kind of come back around and go, maybe I do want to take a tight end earlier because I'm seeing guys go faster than, than people think.
4: Um, well, you know, you're going to have to spend a decent amount, but I, I do like the the yeah. idea of Kyle Pitts. I do like that because people were saying he, sh- he should have had his agent mark him as a wide receiver before he went into the draft. And I, I think that's essentially what he's going to be in the NFL as a wide receiver. Um, so if he slots into that Julio Jones role, that's going to be left behind in Atlanta with the pass happy offense. Now they're adding Arthur's Arthur Smith who's considered one of the best play callers in the league. I do yeah. like the potential there with a bad defense. You're talking about a lot of negative game scripts. I love Calvin Ridley. I also do like Kyle Pitts a lot. I want to try to come away with him, but uh, with in at least, you know, a couple of my drafts that I do this year, uh even though you do have to pay a pretty penny in order to get him cuz the hype is there for him. Uh if you yeah. want to if you want to wait and, and a lot of the a lot of the rosters I've done through these mock drafts I'm more happy with my team when I wait on tight end, even though I don't get one of the elite guys because I'm able to stack elite running backs and elite receivers. But one guy I did draft last night uh, that I was happy with was in the ninth round. I got Logan Thomas and Logan Thomas was a top three tight end last year after Kelsey and after Waller uh, in the second half of the season. You had an improved quarterback to that offense. I, and Logan Thomas, remember, he's a converted quarterback from tight end, yes. so he's just now getting into the groove of playing that position with his athleticism. I think that Logan Thomas, if you can get him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, he's has top three potential at the position, and, and you're going to be able to create an advantage between you and your opponents by stacking receivers and running backs. For the first eight nine rounds and get him later in the draft so I do like his value right now currently in terms of ADP average draft position
3: there also was a time in uh, Tony's I mean I am a champion when it comes to fantasy football as these two idiots know but there was a time. When I drafted Mar- Marquise Colston, and he was a tight end in the Yahoo fantasy build his rookie season, and I had him as a tight end, and if you're saying Kyle Pitts should have come out as a wide receiver, it's bringing me back a little bit, so maybe Kyle Pitts needs to be hey, on the radar. I'm not going to
0: complain. I, I won a league one year because I took Jalen Samuels off the waiver wire in like week 15 <laughs> and ran him at tight end when he was categorized as tight end, and he started at running back that night for the decimated Great. Steelers backfield. Won that league. Best move I ever made off the waiver wire my fantasy career. It was
3: great. Now, Chris, before <laughs> before we started the interview, because we asked you to bring a couple of sleepers for us, but you wanted to talk about the definition of the word sleeper. Obviously, that matters what league you're in, the size of the league, as you said, the size of the bench as well. But is there anything sleeper-wise that you want to get off your chest before we dive into some of your picks that you should be looking at later in drafts?
4: Well, I think that you should know, like in your head, at least how you define what a sleeper is. Cause, like, a a sleeper doesn't have to be a guy who goes in like the last two rounds of drafts. Is this average average draft position in like the 150s, 200s, that type of thing? Deep sleeper, I guess you could call that. Or is it a guy that, hey, you know, this guy's average on average going in the sixth round is ADP is around 70, uh, but you've got him ranked in the top 40. Uh, And that could be a sleeper because, hey, I don't expect this guy to be a wide receiver three. I expect them to be a borderline wide receiver one. Yeah. So I, I think that to me is when I look at sleepers, like who am I above market on and who am I below market on? And who are the guys I want to try to aggressively attack uh, that I am higher on than the market? Because, again, a lot of these guys are going to be printing out cheat sheets, stale rankings. They're not going to know, you know, how do these rankings apply to their league format with the scoring settings, with the starting lineup set? Like, do you start three wide receivers instead of two? That can make a difference. Do you start two flexes instead of one? So things like that uh is gonna is gonna make me more bullish on certain guys. So I'm looking at it as like in terms of my rankings uh versus the consensus and versus like the public in terms of what these guys' average draft position is, but I'm happy to talk about guys in that in that definition. Early round, middle round, later round, because I do have guys in each of those areas that I'm at, that I am higher on than the general public. Yeah, please dive into it.
3: Let's start with the early round guys that you like more than the general public does.
4: Yeah, so you know we obviously talked about Aaron Jones earlier. There's yeah. there's a couple there's a couple receivers uh, earlier in the draft that I have in my tier five overall in my top forty overall rankings that I'm pretty high on versus the rest of the market. And when I'm saying the rest of the market. I'm talking about the fantasy pros Uh, I'm in their expert accuracy contest with all the other analysts from a lot of great websites out there that cover fantasy football uh, and and they score your rankings every weekend for the entire season. So Mm. you can go to fantasy pros and and pick which analysts you want to follow to get their rankings on a season long basis or a week long basis. So it's very cool to be able to see everything else that's going on. So I can see how my rankings compare to the industry standard on average. Love that. Love that. There's three receivers I want to use in, like, the, let's say the early to middle rounds that I'm much higher on than the rest of the market. One of them's Deontay Johnson from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Uh, you know, this guy was a target monster last year in that offense. And a lot of people, what they're going to remember is the primetime game where he got benched because he dropped like three passes in a row. But if you actually watch that game, which is pretty brutal for the Steelers offense, he came back in and easily led the team in targets despite being benched. So I think Deontay Johnson, he's entering his third year. And that's another thing I like to target, not just rookie wide receivers with a lot of upside, but receivers entering their second and third years is when they're statistically have a much higher chance of kind of blowing up and really, really taking that next step to elite status. So Deontay Johnson's a guy, I see this continuing to be a pass happy offense, e- even inserting Najee Harris at running back there. So Right now, I've got him at 27th overall. His ADP in terms of the rankings, or his industry ranking consensus is 43 right now. So I'm happy to get Deontay Johnson somewhere in the third to fourth round as my wide receiver too uh, Another guy I'm very high on who's going into his second year is Brandon Ayuk from the San Francisco 49ers. And whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo under center there, I think Brandon Ayuk showed in the second half of last season that he has borderline top five, top 10 potential. And he's another guy who was a, who became a target monster late. And there's even a quote in the preseason where they asked Debo Samuel, his teammate, they're like, you know, hey, how's, how's – he basically went out of his way to say, Brandon Ayuk's the man in this offense. Like, he's yeah. unbelievable. So Ayuk, I think, is very undervalued where he he's overall right now ranked number 50 in terms of the expert consensus rankings. I've got him at 32. So I'm yeah. I'm 18 spots above market in Iuk. I'm 16 spots above market on Deontay. And another guy right in that tier, right behind Brandon Ayuk, is T Higgins for my Bengals. And, and T Higgins was a top 10 receiver uh, from the, t- from the time he started to the time Joe Burrow went down with his injury. And I see that continuing because Jamar chase in that offense, that's another receiver that defenses have to respect. And also yeah. the fact that that chase took a year off the of football. So I don't think he's just going to come in and rekindle that flame uh, with Joe Burrow his former college teammates right away. So I, I see T. Higgins and Jamar Chase being the 1A, 1B, but Higgins has the rapport, and he played most of last year and showed what he can do on the NFL field. So I'm about 16 spots higher on T. These are all guys that are ranked around number 50 in the, in the fantasy pros. Expert consensus, I've got them all like late 20s, early 30s in my rankings right now. I think they all have borderline wide receiver one potential. At the very least, they're going to be very rock solid wide receiver twos.
3: Well no, I was going to say because you're uh, I have a question that I wanted to bring up to you because I love doing the same thing you said, getting a guy who's in his second year or his third year that's ready for that breakout season, Whereas a rookie they showed that potential. And I actually did some research on this. Over the past 10 years, wide receivers heading into their second year, drafted in the middle rounds with an ADP, outperformed their ADP 86% of the time. And the only guys who didn't do it were like a Corey Davis, where the opportunities were there, but Corey Davis just didn't show up. There's so many wide receivers heading into their second year that showed flashes, even a Jerry Judy or a Chase Claypool. You're brought up Ayuk and you brought up uh, T. Higgins and obviously C. D. Lamb is making everybody's favorite when he's on hard knocks but is there any wide receiver heading into the second year that you think is a must-have on your team that you should draft before everybody else maybe it is even Brandon Ayuk or T. Higgins and is there any one of these second year wide receivers that you don't want any part of or maybe it's a little bit too high for your blood right now
4: well, Ceedee Lamb, it's impossible to be too high on him because the market's already extremely <laughs> high on Ceedee Lamb. And I love Ceedee Lamb too. I've got him on one of my dynasty teams. I've got him two spots above consensus. So I'm right in line with the market on Ceedee Lamb. It's really high. It's really hard to move him higher than I have him right now because I've got Deontay Johnson one spot higher than Ceedee Lamb because I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the undisputed number one receiver in that offense, at least in the short to intermediate areas of the field. Uh, but don't forget about guys going into year three because the statistics that you mentioned are very similar for year three receivers as well. And, and two year two receivers I was very high on last year are now going into year three, which are AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. And I don't think you should sleep yeah. on the talent of those guys either. Uh, one guy I'm a couple spots lower than than the market on, but I'm not out on him necessarily is Justin Jefferson. Uh, I'm kind of right in line, a couple spots lower than the market with him.
0: It's hard not to expect regression after what he did last year was freakish. Not just, I mean, what, for a rookie for sure, but like even even for not a rookie, what he did last year was an outlier performance. So I think it's natural that you might expect some regression this year.
4: I think the talent's there, but they, they brought a lot of talent in on the defense. So I don't expect as many mounting negative game scripts for this offense to be in. And, and I think Mike Zimmer's the type of coach, he, he wants to run the ball more if he can and the defense is going to be better. Why wouldn't you? So, exactly, with Dalvin Cook there. When you so, have Dalvin Cook, why yeah. wouldn't you want to run the ball? <laughs> I, I think that might take a little bit off the t- off the top of, of uh, Justin Jefferson's potential ceiling just in terms of those aspects there. So that's going to make me move him a tick down. But don't don't get me wrong, if he falls to me in a draft, and I think the value is there, I will draft him. So I'm not fading him per se. But uh, Jerry Judy, you mentioned him. I, I, I'm very high on him as well for the same amount of reasons. I've got him in the next tier uh, in tier seven, I'm 23 spots ahead of the consensus rankings on Jerry Judy uh, as, as well. And just working down the list, uh, you know, there's probably some guys I may be a little bit lower on. Like I mentioned earlier, Jamar chase. I think uh, the, the hype around him is pretty strong right now. I haven't come around fully to being that high on chase. I feel like I'm still pretty high on him. Uh, but just not as high. I think there should be a considerable gap between T Higgins and Jamar chase. And they're basically going like right after the other in most fantasy drafts right now. Uh, so th- those are a couple of the guys I got my eye on in terms of guys I'm lower on that are younger guys, uh, DJ shark. I- I'm a little bit lower on him about 17 spots in really? terms of the expert consensus rankings, just because they have a new regime in Jacksonville. He wasn't drafted by that regime. And there's been some negative comments about him during the offseason training camps. He had a really down year last year it was very inefficient. So I don't I don't know what to expect from that offense. Uh, I could see LaVisca Chenault. I was gonna, gonna say number I think one if you going to
0: take a Jaguars wide receiver, it ought to be LaVisca Chenault uh, yeah. out of anybody. I, I'm kinda lower on DJ Shark, despite the fact that he was nuts. I mean he was you know, he was nuts, but you don't know what that connection is gonna be like with with Trevor Lawrence.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And I agree 100% with that. So even even Chanel, they have my hesitations about because, again, they didn't draft. it. They, they signed Mar- Marvin Jones, the veteran, to a pretty decent sized contract before before we let you go,
3: Mr. Dell. I know we asked you to bring some NFL playoff prop futures to lay some money on, but we'll be doing a huge player prop future show win total show all the bets you can make for season long futures later on in the month, maybe even early September. And I think we're going to have to have you back on for that specifically because I really want to dive into those, but I don't want this podcast to go on for three hours i think we should keep it fantasy here and let me ask you one more question we like to have our guests and we like to put them in a hypothetical sometimes it's like taylor and we tell him hey if we kick you the ball deep do the three of us have a chance of tackling you on the kick return he said no but for he laughed and said no (laughs) but for you for the hypothetical you're sitting there in the draft it's a ppr league you've done everything you've wanted to do you don't really have a position of need and you're sitting there with the last pick who do you take as that one guy you must have? Maybe you got to reach a little bit for him or you're picking him and nobody knows who he is. Who do you take with that last pick and why is his name Rondale Moore?
4: Oh, I, you know, I do like me some Rondale Moore. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but if I can, you know, this is a guy I was going to bring up as my last sleeper. Uh, great. I don't know if he's going to be there in the last round. That's the thing. So I do like, I do like Rondale Moore. I'll agree with you on that. But Terrace Marshall uh i I love this guy six foot three played majority slot in college you know big time high profile college performed at the highest level he's coming into an offense where curtis samuel last year was uh you know arguably not even as talented as this guy right out the gates and curtis samuel was a borderline top 25 wide receiver i mean he rivaled dj moore who that was one of my biggest misses last year was being super high on dj moore in that offense so this is a this is a high powered offense, which, you know, Sam Darnold, I'm not a big believer in, but I think he can at least be as competent as Teddy Bridgewater was. And Curtis Samuel being used in the slot as a small gadget type of guy, you had a six six foot three, more, more athletic player into that position with all the vacated targets that Samuel's leaving behind. Terrace Marshall at his draft position right now, 14th, 15th round. I, I'm trying to get him at the back end of every single draft that I do. And then Rondale Moore, I do like a lot. Although I'm, I'm worried about just Cliff Kingsbury as a play, caller in general, you know, Rondell Moore yeah. is very tiny and they like to do a lot of horizontal, you know, short pass, you know, wide receiver screen type passes and things like that. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's definitely a guy I'm willing to take at the end of my drafts. So I want to take flyers on uh, late yeah. round rookies and things like that, you know, late round, uh, you know, rookie running backs won't be there at that point but uh, you know, rookie wide receivers will. And we have seen a lot of rookie wide receivers produce at high levels over the last couple of years. So Terrace Marshall for me, and I would say Second place there goes Rondell Moore.
3: Well, there's so much more to get into. Like, what rookie uh, quarterback do you reach for? What are these running backs, these rookie running backs you want to take? There's so many question marks that we can have for fantasy, but we can't keep you on forever. We thank you for coming on the podcast. You've given us and our listeners a lot of insight to dive into this, and we will definitely have you on in the future to dive into some NFL player prop futures on bets you can make to make you money. But first off, Thank you for coming on the show, Mr. Chris Dell, at Mad Journalist with two Ds on Twitter. Thank you for coming on, my friend. This Thank was a blast. I appreciate yes, it, guys.
4: So. And last thing, take Trey Lance in the last round of every single dra- <laughs> draft you do because once he's announced <laughs> as the starter, you will not be able to get him in the last, last round anymore. So that's what I'm doing in the last round of every draft is taking Trey Lance. And when it comes to season-long player props, do not bet overs, only bet unders. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you. No, I'm
0: right All there right. with you.
3: All right, good advice. And that's, that's it advice. for the West Coast Gamblers. Thank you guys for listening. We're coming back at the end of August with all of our divisional previews. It's time to bring back the marry, fuck, kill. Sorry, Mrs. Crookston for swearing. I can't wait. I sorry, can't wait. A lot of mini coming out. And then at the end of all that, right before the season begins, we have our NFL Futures show. We're going to give you all the bets for the NFL season. Excited to have it. For we got great guests
0: lined up, too. Oh. Beat writers, professional bettors, friends of the program. It's going to be a prop... Divisional
3: stravaganza palooza Miss Board That's why I'm the host And Dangles is on the side But thanks for trying Dangles For Matthew Dangles D'Angelo Antonio <laughs> For Schaefer the Sharp Drew Schaefer Crookson yeah. For the guest Chris Dell yes. My name is Tony yes. Cavallo And as always Thank you Go, for, for listening coast. West Coast
2: West Coast
1: West Coast 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 Dove C to the G, G. West Coast Gamblers, gamblers. Hey there,
3: my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast
0: that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport.